the lesson that we're learning is that we need to be very clear around what it is we're trying to do and then seek the data that will enable us to answer the questions we're trying to get answered. Welcome to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. I'm Marcella Cavallero, Esri Manager of National Government Emerging Business, and I'll be your host for today. You just heard Braulio Oliveira, CIO at Winrock International, emphasize how important it is to zero in on the right data to strengthen decision-making and impact. In this episode, Oliveira describes how Winrock uses location analytics and big data to strengthen the economies of communities in the U.S. and around the world. Here, Esri Marketing Program's lead, Ed Loker, explore how location intelligence and technology helps empower communities. So thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. Very excited about the conversation and, and what we might learn. It's, it's going to be pretty exciting. So start out with an umbrella, very large question. What are the major challenges faced by our society today as a result of global economic development? Well, coming from a technology perspective, since I'm the CIO of Windrock International, I'll position it from that perspective. Um, technology is very abundant now. Everybody has access to a variety of platforms and solutions to a number of needs. Um, so technology has, in fact, uh, played a huge role in how society has evolved in a lot of the economic and social issues that um, they can help solve. The issue is that there is an abundance of technology and an abundance of data now and how you curate these solutions to provide a better um, set of alternatives to the issues that we're faced today. So in, in looking at Winrock, it's actually surprised to, to see places like, uh, I think it was Arkansas or Alabama in the United States. So when you talk about access to technology and what people would maybe be surprised to find that there are places in the world where you'd expect maybe technology to be playing more of a role than it currently is. What parts of, of the world sort of fit that description? Either surprising that they have more technology than one might expect, or they don't have as much as one might expect? Uh, you pointed out the United States, Arkansas in particular. Uh, Windrock, as you know, and you can look us up on the internet, but we do international development, but we also focus a lot of our attention in development in the United States. So that makes us fairly special and different from other organizations. It is surprising, however, for a lot of people to realize that the need oftentimes is the same here in the United States as it is in other parts of the world. We have a wonderful program focused in developing agriculture in the United States, uh, and technology can play a huge role in bringing together people that are growing, certain crops in a very efficient way, people that want to purchase these things, people that have other uh, lessons that they can share with the people that are growing things, perhaps a better way to fertilize the soil, etc., uh, access to finance. And technology can bring all of these people together, whether it is in our backyard, where Windrock is headquartered in Arkansas, or other places throughout the world. So. I think your question was about, you know, are there any specific locations where that need is more pronounced? And I would say that it's really all over the world, and including in the United States. Is technology equal in how people capture it, use it, absorb it, 
uh, assimilate into their into their cultures, into their environment, or do you find that there are significant differences depending on where you are in the world as you present maybe the same technology? Do people use it the same way? I, no, I struggle with that question a lot because a big part of what we do in the technology space is not so much about implementing technology because as I said earlier, that happens all the time and everyone has access to it. It's really the degree to which people absorb the technology and the ability to leverage the technology to meet a particular need. And I, I see that throughout the world as I travel, technology that's easy to use gets absorbed faster by people, but I haven't noticed a geographical limitation when it comes to entering new technologies and the usage of that. Is there an opportunity for maybe those areas of the world or even parts of the United States, as you mentioned, where technology is new or newer for those communities to leapfrog and to not have to, to evolve along the same path and perhaps even gain some sort of advantage by not having to overcome existing infrastructure or processes and therefore are more efficient, more, it's easier, it's quicker, it's cheaper without having that legacy that legacy baggage to deal with. Absolutely. And it goes to what you're talking about, that if you are able to string together certain platform solutions and other technologies in a manner that hasn't been done before exactly that same way, it might enable you to leapfrog those that are really trying to stay within the boundaries of what they know or they can control. So there is a huge opportunity to do just that. Here in the United States, we're still dealing with paper checks and that whole you know, challenge that goes with all that paper, although a lot of it has now uh, become digital. Now imagine someone that is offered the opportunity to transact on their mobile device, doesn't even have to be a smartphone. And then you compare that to the archaic, very heavy operational set of issues associated with writing checks. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the absorption is going to be so much greater if you have something that's so simple to use versus this other thing that's out there. But it required someone to be able to realize that they could take existing technologies, by the way, and string them along. I call it curating. Curating these technologies in a manner that was so simple that leapfrogged everyone in such a way that now the consumers of that newly strung together set of technologies believe no one else, including the financial services institutions in their country, could meet that particular need, which is just, it's just exactly what technology is all about or should be. So in your role, the projects at Winrock, they really involve accessing and managing data from different places, literally stringing things maybe even from around the globe. Um, how has technology even made that possible, but maybe a little bit deeper is what's next? What, what do you see as being the interesting next evolution of technology in your role as you're helping these communities? Well, in, in international development, well, I couldn't say it's the next thing because it really has been the thing for quite some time, but it's really around impact and being able to articulate impact in a very different way than we have in the past. So the learning agenda of international development 
to me, it's where the big challenge is and where technology can really play a huge role. We've done a lot of good things in international development and also in domestic development, for sure, uh, in the work that we've done in, in this country. But really being able to articulate that in a manner that enables us to do an even better job the next time around is, is where it's all about right now. As you said, the ability to be effective in each of our projects, uh, the technology is there and we're able to consume that and deliver on those promises, but really, how do we bring it all together? We have over 100 projects throughout the world and in the United States. So uh, how do we look at them, not as each individual project, but bring it all together as a set of institutional learnings that we can then make available, not only within Windrock, but within the entire community. That's where we're focusing our attention right now. Changing gears just a, a little bit, what is it about location intelligence? Well, maybe the, a simpler question, has location intelligence really enabled you to be more effective in your commitment to helping these communities? How does where something is happening or what's the context of the surrounding area, how important of a role is that play? It's what it's all about for us. And it's something that I think as an institution we realized over the last few years that it was really important that we understood where things happened, uh, not just the point, but also the altitude and the longitude and all of those things that go with it. So we can learn from an event that may have happened in one point and try to extrapolate that to another point, uh, whether it's someone growing something in the United States and how that might correlate to some work that's being done in Nepal, as an example, and be able to learn from all of that that goes back to the learning agenda. And you really need to understand where these things are happening and all the attributes of the event that's happening in that particular location so you can affect better learning out of that. So yeah, the location part is hugely important. We've gone from, in a very short period of time, from maps that showed, uh, as an example, uh, we're doing work um, in the United States, so you lit up the entire country. Well, that's not really, we're not working in every, everywhere in the United States. We have specific locations where things are happening. So what kinds of things are happening there? Who can we talk to about those things? So we can begin to connect people that have similar interests and learnings. So we can develop an even greater learning agenda going forward. And with that, lots and lots of insights are beginning to now emerge that we couldn't have seen before. In economic development or supporting these communities, talk to me a little bit about the insights that you're gathering from these, this new location-enabled map to provide context. There's a multitude of them, 100-plus projects in 40-plus countries, a lot of insights that come as a result of it. You mentioned this uh, cold chain set of projects that we have going on. So even to understand where something is being harvested, how long and the duration by which something may spoil, it's gonna be different depending on climate and other variables. So understanding all of that to be able to understand when is the next cold storage facility that need to be made available so that the product doesn't spoil. Um, 
those are very important and probably more obvious usage of this technology and these dots and maps along with a number of variables that would describe what's happening in each one of those dots. Uh, but then for someone that's growing some interesting crop in the United States and connecting that person to the closest group that might be interested in buying that product. So what's the fastest way to connect those two? What's the kind of interest that these folks might have? Whether I have fertilizer to sell or whether I have a chain of restaurants that wants to consume good food that's available locally. So how do you connect those two things? Mapping becomes a very obvious way to do so. How do you connect those things, right? As, as Winrock's mission, are you there to provide the tools and some guidance? Do you empower the local growers or do you work with industry or, or the supply, the manufacturers, for lack of a better term, to say, hey, if you build a stop in your cold chain here, you'd have access to these others. How are you engaging at the ground level with these communities? It's all of the above, including access to financial backing uh, for these entrepreneurs to be able to continue the work after we're long gone. So it's all of the above, anywhere from really training people on how to harvest, uh, what to grow and when uh, becomes really, really important. So there can be self-sufficient going forward, connecting them with socially responsible sources of financial backing so they can continue the work later on. Uh, and then in terms of sustainability, creating communities where people can collaborate, can come together, can share best practices, uh, all technologies that are readily available today. And we sort of fade into the background. And once we can do that and the communities continue to thrive, then we're successful. What are those steps that you've seen or insight you've been able to just derive from your experience? How do these communities become smarter through the use of technology? Obviously, there's an economic imperative to do it. There's also probably a social imperative and an empowerment type of thought process behind becoming smart in however you would choose to define that. Are there clear steps that, that happen regularly? There's a visionary leader who is able to accomplish a certain task, or is it from the ground up? How does it, how does it typically happen? Uh, for us, we, we very much focus our attention on where, where the need is, perceived or otherwise. Uh, we're on the ground. We have years of experience in these types of projects. So we can really develop proposals focused on very critical needs. So we know, based on our own experience and knowledge that we have developed over the years, what the kinds of things and the learnings that are going to be needed in different parts of the world. We leverage a lot of that internal capacity to develop these proposals going forward. And then it becomes really a matter of delivering on those areas that we said we would and how we track them, how we report on them, and then more importantly, how we learn from those learnings becomes quite, quite critical, obviously. Talk to me a little bit about the, the governance of those communities and, and the role that they play. You know, is it something that the technology is the first use case and they sort of see the potential, or does it really need to be hand-in-hand -hand right from the beginning in order to see the, the full return? That's a 
very timely question as we struggle with just the abundance of technology that's out there and everyone knows some technology that's going to meet a particular need. And so it becomes, governance becomes quite challenging, especially when you have a hundred plus projects and all different stages of uh, maturity. So in, on the technology organization within Winrock, we kind of know what's going to work, what's going to be resilient, but we're also very interested in trying new things out. And the term that I use is how we curate these things together because things will change, right? So it's not like it's always need the same set of technologies and platforms and technical solutions because the need is always evolving. So we focus our attention on the technology side on that art of curating these platforms. And meanwhile, the governance structure really is around identifying the need. So to the extent that we can articulate the need as an organization about what it is we're trying to do and can be very clear about that, then how we curate the solutions behind the scenes makes a lot of sense. And that's a different conversation than what we've had in the past, where the need wasn't as clear as much as here's a really cool thing I've found and it can do X, Y, Z. And then once we start asking the question, but were you interested in doing X, Y, Z before you saw this thing? And often the answer is no, but, but it's really something that we want to try. Well, we're not saying that we're not going to try stuff out. We should, but we try to stack the portfolio or, or group the portfolio of, of initiatives into certain things that are going to be very strategic uh, in nature. We may not know what's going to happen with it, but we, we need to make sure that our investment is going towards things that meet particular needs uh, and that we know with a fair amount of certainty is going to actually work. So as, as these communities are assimilating the, the technology, how are cities or communities ensuring that they're looking at the right thing to make the right decisions? As you say, there's access to so much. How are you able to help them retain focus so that what they are doing delivers the value that they want and need. Yeah, uh, it goes back to the conversation around being very clear around what it is, what the need is, and what we're trying to achieve, especially uh, over the last several years, the access to big data, right, is just everywhere. And everyone now has that sort of access. It's interesting that probably 10 years ago, there were many parts of the world that had access to no data from the perspective of digital data. And nowadays, just about everyone has access to so much data, um, but little to no access to information. So what we, we go back to the conversation of needs assessment and clarity around purpose. In fact, just the other day, I was talking with a colleague that was very much in agreement that if we lose sight of the goal and objective of the project that we're trying to achieve, then we get in trouble. So it's the same thing when it comes to access to all this data. Um, for us, we try and remain as focused as we can on the kinds of things we're trying to implement 
and focus our attention on that and ensure that the, whatever data is available, that we consume it, package it, so we can achieve the goals of our project. What lessons have you learned would you share with larger urban centers or, or not necessarily those communities in your target area, but what have you learned that could be prophetic or guidance for those larger communities as they struggle with the same thing, access to data, access to information, and it's not a, an absence of insight or information, but it's, it's too much. What are those key guiding principles that you would share with city leaders or community leaders that are further along that evolution, perhaps? Yeah, and, and I, I, you know, I don't want to mislead anyone. We're still very much down this journey ourselves. We're very much still learning like everybody else. The access to, to data is, is tremendous, and we have a lot of it. The lesson that we're learning is that we need to be very clear around what it is we're trying to do and then seek the data that will enable us to answer the questions we're trying to get answered. And it's not every piece of data, uh, but it's really the data that will help us answer the question. So when it comes to big data, we're really trying to manage that in such a way that it becomes information. Um, so it's uh, a very introspective sort of thing. We're trying to ask ourselves, what are we trying to do? What data we really need? And then ensure that the data is there and available. So what's just on the horizon? What is that next big thing that will change the way people fundamentally approach economic development or sustainability or smart or green? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think it's going to be less about the technology per se. Uh, there are a lot of very smart people out there developing all kinds of cool solutions to a variety of problems. As much as it is going to be around identifying these solutions and matching those against the needs we have, creating enough flexibility to move things around, replace parts of this chain of solutions in a manner that meets our need, but also very clear about purpose. That solution in Kenya is an example. There was a clear need identified, the use of technology that's already available, and making that in a very simplistic way because the vision was very clear what the need was. So to me, that's the next big thing. Flexibility and clarity of purpose seems like a really nice slogan or tagline for, for anybody that's trying to deal with this different way of interfacing with data and technology to make better decisions. I really like that. Well, I wanted to thank you very much for spending some time with us today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast, and thanks to Braulio Oliveira for illuminating how location intelligence, big data analytics, and technology contribute to increasing economic opportunity and community transformation. To learn more about the power of location analytics to drive growth and innovation, download our ebook, Making Sense of Digital Transformation, at esri.com forward slash wear.